In a world asking the question, what if the movies that got delayed came out on time and they were different? That's the case in my universe. I'm Steven Schinder and you're listening to Delayed Replay, Season 5, airing every other Saturday, unless I change my mind. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we recap and review movies that got delayed or didn't get to happen in that other universe because of weird studio decisions, but they come out in our universe sometimes. I'm your host, Stephen Schinder, and joining me once again, it is Mr. Multiverse. What's up, my man? What is going on? Uh, how is everyone doing out there? We are going to be talking about a movie that happened. I had something. I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, m- much like how WB uh, felt like they had something and lost it, probably, you know? <laughs> I, you know, I feel like that's kind of the running thing with Warner Brothers as of late, is where they have something and then they lose it, whether that be a universe or i don't know competent head at the the helm or yeah or deleting something like in that other universe it's yeah it's a mess you know erasing movies that um are already finished just for a tax write-off and i don't know like yeah they say that's that's a running trend you know having things you know brothers having things and and um and then not yeah, I was actually thinking about this recently, um, and, you know, Fantastic Four, the new one, got just announced barely in the other universe, you know, the cast, but I was thinking about how the 90s one was sort of the OG, oh, we made it, but we're not releasing it type thing, you know? The Roger Cor- you mean the Roger Corman one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ha- awful, but I kind of like it. It's just kind of like watching a train wreck. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, this movie, uh, Shazam versus Black Adam, uh, came out in December for us, but there were like some other things coming out, so I shifted the schedule around. But yeah, well, first off, I think it was smart that they titled it Shazam versus Black Adam instead of the other way around, because if it was the other way around, it would have been. B-A-V-S, which is too close to B-V-S, you know, Batman versus Superman, you know? Yeah, I feel like they were intentionally trying to to avoid that. Yeah. So, there, there's a lot that happens in this movie. You know, Shazam and Black Adam finally collide. Um, you also got some Legion of Doom threads and Monster Society threads carrying over. Um, so, it kind of felt like you know, as they were making this, they got the heads up that the DCEU was ending and wanted to throw in whatever they can. So, um, I'll let you start off. What you, what initial thoughts on this movie? Well, it's kind of funny because this movie really does feel like it's meant to be like Shazam 3 and Black Adam 2 at the same time. And it feels like none of those things. <laughs> yeah. And because of, like, weird multiverse stuff going on in a couple of the other recent DC movies, it's, like, they're also trying to insinuate in the background that there's some stuff going on, and whether it aligns or not, I feel like, at this point, they just didn't really care as much, so we're just going with the flow and mainly focusing on, like, Black Adam and Shazam, if anything. Yeah. So, I guess we could start at the beginning of this film, and... I think, like, originally it does feel like they were trying to take some inspiration from the Superman Shazam uh, short story called First Thunder, which involves Black Adam and Superman and Shazam battling him. It's actually, it actually got adapted into a short DC animated film. Yeah, that was an excellent short. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if they just went with that, I would have liked this movie a lot more. Yeah, like maybe an expanded version of it, perhaps, instead of sort of cluttering some other stuff in there. Yeah. Um, damn. Um, <laughs> this, like, this movie, it starts out really fun. Like, it starts out like, it's kind of like, you know, eating stride, it's like chewing stride gum. Exciting at first, and disappointing a few minutes later. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, I totally know what you mean. Like, the moment you start chewing, it's like, oh yeah, I like this flavor, but then very quickly, like, not too long later, it's like, oh, it's lost its flavor. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what this movie is. It's stride gum. Right. Um, but, alright, so, so the beginning of the film starts off for man and Black Adam encountering each other, and then a fight breaks out. And the fight is actually really well done. Like, it's not like with BVS or a few other DC movies where it's muddy and you can't really see stuff and it's like oh just uh, like uber dark it's bright it's brightly lit like i think they took notes from godzilla versus kong and just went yeah let's let's have it be a well-lit fight in daytime yeah and this is a tangent but have you read um godzilla versus kong versus justice league i've been meaning to get to that um I've read a bit of it. I'm waiting for trade to finish it all, but it's actually it's it's pretty fun. It's nothing mind-blowing, but I do think it it has a lot of um fun elements like every it's kind of funny. A friend of mine, Matt Dennian and I talked about everything that happened in this comic so far. Okay. It's not a bad thing. It's just that we're just too we're too dorks who we're like, "Oh, would it be cool if this happened?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend it. Yeah, I'll definitely get around to it. Um, but yeah, versus stories can be kind of a mixed bag. Sometimes they're done just for fun, and I feel like that's more flexible in comics, but for a movie where you're going out to see it, it can be kind of hit and miss, you know? But this opening fight, gave I made the mistake of getting hope for this, for that opening fight. And maybe it's just because of seeing Henry Cavill back as Superman. Yeah, like I feel like... He, in this instance, he really got to embody this hopeful Superman we'd been wanting to see, you know, in this and in the R universe's version of Shazam 2. Like, uh, I'm at least glad that Cavill got to play this type of Superman before the end, whereas in that other universe, he didn't really get a chance, unfortunately. Yeah, and there are some good moments with Cavill in here, which we'll get to later, but like that opening scene of the two fighting and there's also a great scene where like we're like they're destroying can the conduct and there's a um they fight on a bridge and this bus is about to tip over and superman is just like grabbing and trying to pull it back while he's just getting blasted with lightning from adam and, but he's i'm like that's the superman i want to see um that we didn't get to see in man of steel yeah i, I even wondered if maybe this was a callback to the bus scene and man of steel which like one of my big gripes in that movie was jonathan kent telling kid superman slash clark kent that like oh maybe you shouldn't have saved them and it's like what the hell jonathan but yeah i thought here it was done better so the movie continues and it cuts to you know billy and where and the kids like just watching that like um, it's like breaking news: Superman and Black Adam and the new metahuman Black Adam are tearing apart Condock. And Shazam's like, "Black Adam, hey, that's the guy. She's the wizard warned me about. I should go help." I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically the dialogue. Yeah, and it does feel like we get a weird mix of two different movies because with Black Adam, we got like some dialogue about like the political unrest and people not being willing to do as much as they can whereas with shazam it's like mainly about family so how would you think that about the meshing of the tones in this one it felt really off base <laughs> like it's it's clear that there is like six writers on this movie and boy does it show yeah, like I was thinking back to the Justice League Unlimited episode where, you know, Shazam being a, you know, Billy being a kid, he's not that in tune with politics. And so Superman gets upset when, like, he doesn't know how to do things, quote unquote, properly. So I thought that episode handled things in a mostly well fashion in terms of the tone. But here it feels like they couldn't really nail that. Going back to the film, the film, the fight goes on, Shazam jumps in, and now it's like, oh, it's just like the Judd Winnick story. Cool. Um, and I, I was like, Adam is like, so you're the new guy, you know? 
<laughs> and uh, Shazam was like, yeah, I'm the new guy. I'm here to, uh, he's like, I'm here to kick your ass, man. And uh, already, I don't know if it's like back, if I don't know if there's was like back, uh, like off camera beef between the two, or they just didn't like each other, or I don't know if it was script or direction, but like there is no, this is supposed to be a big moment in comics. It's Black Adam and, you know, Shazam encountering his arch nemesis. And I don't feel it. Black Adam also throws in that line that The Rock had been saying, which is that the balance of power is about to change, and it just came out feeling very cold and flat within the movie itself. Yeah. I don't know if, like, yeah, Zachary Levi and, and, and Rock do not have... I don't feel it. It's not like... It's not like a big moment where, like, you know... Toby Maguire Spider-Man encountered like Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin and like you can feel like oh yeah these guys are you know you can feel like that energy from the comics or you know whenever you have Batman and Joker encounter each other in film yeah or except for one but you already know that one right yeah and well and like this also reminds me of how with Batman versus Superman, you know, you had Superman and Lex Luthor, but even just in terms of the like iconic iconic hero characters, like you expect Superman and Batman's first live action on screen interaction p- to be super epic and it just wasn't there. And now granted Shazam and Black Adam aren't as well known, but I still kind of felt that vibe here. You know, there's they were setting up this collision course, and then when it finally happens, it just kind of doesn't really excite me very much. Yeah. But I will say the fight was still pretty good. Um, and I actually like how it ended where Black Adam, you know, Superman and Shazam are teaming up, and Black Adam, knowing he's getting his ass kicked, just pulls out the political... You know, you're invading. This is I, uh, this is an invasion of conduct from a U.S. from foreign soil. You guys have to leave, or it'll be open war. And and Shazam's like, dude, you you punch Superman. Yeah, you literally punch. You know, Superman, and he's like, yeah, Superman is an American citizen, and you know, it's an act of war. So. <laughs> They it, like Superman. Like I, again, it shows how much like su- how well. If there's anything I could take away from this, is how well Cavill's written. It's a, almost like his swan song, where Cav- like Superman just goes, "No, he's right. We have to leave." Even though you know you don't have to like it, but like you know, my pa used to say, "Sometimes you get the bear, the bear gets you." Right, and Billy Batson's reactions because you know he's not as in tune with politics and like all this grown-up stuff that's going on he he keeps on fighting like verbally fighting back like being like no we have to stop him from doing all these terrible things and so they nail the mentor mentee relationship between superman and shazam but i also appreciate that there's a bit of resistance that sort of makes sense you know yeah so they leave like they leave kondok and um, we cut to, and I like it because now we finally get that running joke from the last two movies paid off of Mr. Mind and Savannah. And Mr. Mind comes in and is like, hey, you know, that time, you know, our time is now. We're going to, you know, we're finally going to do stuff. And, and so I love the joke of like Savannah's like, oh, really? We're going to do stuff now after how many times you visit and say, oh, my plan's working. Yeah. And that's when Mr. Mind's like, no, you idiot, it's actually going to work. And that's when, like, <laughs> the wall comes just busted down. And it's, and I was like, oh my God, no way. It's Mr. Adam. For those who are not in the know, Mr. Adam is a giant robot who is a lesser known uh, Black Adam, vi- not Black Adam, Shazam villain. That's when, like, he's like, yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> you wanted to know, like, Mr. Mind's like, you wanted to know what I was doing. I was getting friends and it's the, and then we see the whole prison just getting attacked left and right. And it's the monster society of evil. We also get like the two sisters from before. And yeah, like this is a very obscure organization for like the mainstream audience anyway. So it was really cool to see that brought in here. And I I think it kind of works because like, 
I don't know how much screen time he can devote to just fighting Black Adam. So, like, some people did have the criticism that it feels kind of like a conflict dropped in the middle out of nowhere. But I think because, like, this universe is on its way out, I was just like, oh, I'll see where this goes, I guess. Yeah. So, and that's right. And, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. It's like, well... At least this was cool. <laughs> um, right. But I will say that it's, it is kind of cool that it's revealed to be Bell Rev. Um, Savannah's been in the whole time. And this is kind of where the movie just goes, okay, that happened. <laughs> um, where it's revealed the Monster Society of Evil slaughtered the Suicide Squad. Yeah, that was like really unexpected. <laughs> yeah, like um, Ibac, one of uh shazam's villains um he's like ripping off king shark's head um Har- you, like you see harley quinn's body totally which is totally not margaret robbie um lying like split in half it's i'm like dude this is supposed to be pg-13 holy crap like you just see like a bloody um amanda waller and she's just like i'm you know do it you know um I'm not scared of you. And that's when Mr. Mind goes, mm, you should be. And then just takes over her brain and like it uses her. Like instead of using the cool worm, we get Viola Davis as a puppet for the rest of the film. And I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like the implications of that. Yeah, that was, I was not like into that choice. Also, it was kind of weird that, Batman just so happened to be at Bell Rev when this happened. Like, he was turning in, like, a criminal, and then he was there when Harley died. Like, it felt like they were trying to throw a bone to the Snyder fans who wanted the Snyderverse to continue with, like, the future stuff, but it it also, like, doesn't really fully line up. Like, you can tell it's just thrown in there, and, uh, like, in the, like online stuff the writers are like oh well there's this weird multiverse stuff happening so it's fine and i'm just like okay i don't really care anymore i guess yeah here's the thing about dc comics and it's and i find it funny that it's bled over into movies if you don't like the continuity now wait five years it'll change right (laughs) um so but i just i like i don't know did it bother you of you of them using like Waller, but like Mr. Mind using Waller like a puppet for the rest of the movie. Yeah, because you know, Amanda Waller, uh, she's not necessarily one of my favorite characters, but I feel like Viola Davis does a great job embodying the character. So when they used her as a puppet in this, as opposed to having her as a puppet master, like it felt very like, it felt whack and very, um, problematic you could even say so yeah like I was looking forward to seeing Mr. Mind in this and then I was like oh I'm not really into how he was used here you know yeah because like you like Mr. Mind is one of like I think some people like this dude has destroyed multiverses um in the comics and like I don't know if it was like a directorial decision or a producer decision but I'm like people could have been scared of this worm seriously um but I, i'm guaranteed like someone in the board of the wb board was like no one's gonna take a worm as the main villain seriously and i'm like tremors disagrees right <laughs> man tremors that's a throwback yeah <laughs> but yeah i just it bothered me um and again like you said it's kind of it's a little problematic and it also caused some confusion because you know, even though the universe is going to change, you still had those people online asking, well, how is Peacemaker Season 2 going to fit in all this? Are they still going to have Waller in that? And how is that show going to still fit? You know, James Gunn says it'll still fit with a new continuity, and I'm not really sure how, but again, it's like comics. You know, whenever there's a reset, they'll 
toss away what they don't want and the stuff that they do want will carry over somehow, you know? And also the ending of this movie does have like, I think it has an explanation, which we'll we'll get, when we get to the ending, I'll, I'll do my best to try to like give my explanation to how, because I think I know where they're trying to go. But anyway, what did you think of like the whole thing of like the bell rev breakout and, um, Basically, Mr. Mind's like, oh, no, we got one more guy to, to recruit, and it's Black Adam. Um, do you, were you just kind of like, okay, we're just going to take away all of the, char- like, what little character stuff was in the first Black Adam movie, I guess? It felt really contrived, because you have these two different sets of villains. You know, you have the Monster Society, and... You also get this other stuff where Black Adam is linking with some people from the Legion of Doom, and it's like, oh, I guess this movie just wants to combine the two, have them all join up together in one big damn sort of finale, which did kind of work for the end of Justice League Unlimited and Teen Titans, kind of, with like the Brotherhood of Evil being a huge thing with so many members, but... I think because of the execution, it felt, having all these characters, it felt really cluttered when it showed them, which is a weird thing to say, because we've had Avengers Endgame, and seeing all the heroes all together there, it didn't feel cluttered, but I think that's because it felt earned, whereas here, it felt really sloppy and haphazard, so yeah. Yeah, and the best explanation they give for, like, why we're seeing the Legion of Doom now um, and, and in Kondok is because, like, um, Black Adam's looking for allies, and he wants to, and, like, he's actually, like, considering going to war with the U.S. over the Superman Shazam fight, um, and basically is like, well, like, I, I, I rec- recruited some, I'm, uh, I'm in talks with a special group of uh, individuals, and... I do like, like, that they brought in, like, Grodd, Scarecrow, and Sinestro as the envoys from the Legion of Doom, but, like, this doesn't feel right. Like, I'm like, these guys, these are major villains, and you're just using them as, like, lackeys for Luthor? Oh, my God. Grodd? Oh, God, I wanted to throw up. (laughs) Oh, the CGI on Grodd was god-awful. Oh, yeah. Like, in an age where we have Kong and Planet of the Apes, like, how do they make Grodd look this bad? Like, Grodd even looked good in the Flash TV show, and that show has gotten flack for its CGI, but here it feels like there was not enough effort for Grodd. Yeah, and it kind of sucks because, like, the actor they got, and it's kind of funny because now he's voicing a villain in, uh, he's voicing the villain in Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, um, is playing Grodd here, and I'm like, damn, you're really good as Grodd. I can see why you're in Kingdom. Yeah, and for Scarecrow, I I do kind of like that they got David Hyde Pierce to voice him. You know, Niles Crane from Frasier. Um, I actually thought he was kind of like that was the if this was if they could actually do another Batman movie, God, he'd have been perfect. Yeah, yeah, I kind of hope that if that they keep him because you you know people people should be used to DC reusing actors anyway, so I think it'd be fine if they used him again like he's only used sparsely in this so i would like to see more of him as scarecrow at least as the voice because i know pierce is older and you um and i guess you could argue whether or not you need to see him outside the suit i do quite like when we're not sure what scarecrow looks like under the suit because i think that makes him even creepier and cooler to look at yeah. What did you think of um, uh, Jeffrey Combs as Sinestro? Oh, that was like totally out of left field. Cause, and I, like, I saw his face and I was like, I've seen your face before. Wayun from Deep Space Nine. And of course, he's done Reanimator and all sorts of other things. And he wasn't Justice League. He was the question. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, I was at least glad that he was getting work, but I'm not necessarily sure that this would be considered as much of a standout role for him, you know? Yeah, 
And it also kind of pissed me off that, like, why does the DCU hate Green Lanterns? Because Sinestro has this offhand comment where he's like, I killed, you know, it's not my first time killing human Green Lanterns, just ask Rainer and Gardner. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, and it really, it feels like they, they had a chance to make this a more hopeful note, this movie, but... In a way, it feels like they pretty much made it a summation of some of the DCEU's problems. You know, in Batman versus Superman, I never liked the insinuation of, you know, a Robin having been killed. Like, I, I'd be fine if it's Jason Todd, but the implications seemed to be that it was Dick Grayson. And I'm like, wait, why? And maybe Dick becomes Joker, depending on what you read about the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um and also like like the killing of jimmy olsen yeah i was gonna bring that up too like why kill off jimmy olsen like that was such a detriment to that movie and to the superman side of the dceu like he's supposed to be like like do you hate fun like that was basically my reaction when i found out jimmy was killed after the fact you know yeah the moment Jimmy died in, in Batman v Superman, I was like, oh, this is not going to be fun. Yeah, uh, not too long ago, I saw someone say the MCU died with Tony Stark. You know, it's one of those comments where it's like, oh, I stopped watching after Endgame. But my response was the DCEU died with Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of the other actors they got for um for roles for other Legion members? I know we had um Killer Fro like we had Killer Frost, we had we had Clayface, uh, and I know they showcased uh they you know they I'm surprised they didn't bring in Deathstroke. Was Joe Magdanello busy? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he briefly might have been glimpsed in the uh, version of Aquaman 2 that we got here. It was really quick in like a montage type thing. But yeah, I don't know. Like, what was the deal with that? But yeah, yeah for Killer Frost, I like that they got Emma Stone to play her. Granted, I would have liked if she'd gotten more to do in the role, but it was really cool to see her in this role. Yeah. And it was cool, I will admit, to have Ron Perlman back as Clayface. I thought that was a neat reference to the cartoon, to the Batman cartoon. Yeah. Uh, did they ever say which Clayface this is? Like, did they give him a name in this? Uh, they said, uh, I think, and I could be wrong, I think they said Carlo, which is the first one. Back. Yeah, okay, Basil Carlo, yeah. Okay. And, I don't, and I'm also like, his CGI looked better than Grodd's. Yeah, I, I guess they figured, well, if we're going to use good CGI uh, on one of these characters, let's use it on Clayface, because there aren't many Clayface-looking characters in other media. People have seen CGI apes, so let's allocate that here, which I kind of get, but also, like, I don't know. Why couldn't everything have looked good? There was another member of the Legion that made me go, all right, I wish you got more screen time because you're giving it all, and also this is fun. What did you think of uh, Matthew Lillard as Weather Wizard? <laughs> I laughed out loud in the theater when I realized it was him. <laughs> I was like, thank you. For he doesn't get a lot of screen time because he gets killed after, like later in the movie. And I'm like... Oh man, he's, at least he's giving. It's like his. Uh, it was almost like watching his character Dennis from Thirteen Ghosts, where he's he's just overacting in it, but it's fun. Yeah, and we also throughout the movie we cut back and forth to the Shazamily. You know, we see a couple of them in school, like in their social studies class or whatever, like learning about more about the conflict uh, across the globe and. It's it's kind of weird seeing, like, events within the DC Universe be talked about in schools as, like, current historical events. Although, in a weird way, that makes sense, because, like, you would think that, like, if you existed in a, in a comic book universe, that those major events would be documented, like... Like, like, like Marvel, com not the MCU, but like Marvel Comics in general. Like, so that had to have been a historical moment when like Thanos snapped half of life out off of existence, and 
then everyone just came back 24 hours later or like I don't know like um this is like Blackest Night in DC Comics like that had to have been like a historical moment of like people coming back as like lantern zombies so I was like I'll give this one a pass because I'm like that makes sense yeah and you also had like the family talks with the Shazamily where you know Billy is still like confused about all the conflict going on so like his older sister has to like spell it out for him and I think it's also to sort of hold the hand of the audience members who maybe aren't following because there's so much going on in the movie you know yeah what did you think by the way of like when the monsters when the legion of doom and monster society of evil meet what did you were you thinking where's the rest of the justice league because it's only bill it's only billy and clark who are the main focus of this movie they don't mention flash they don't mention it well they mention like they have this throwaway line where it's like, everything's going crazy in the leagues everywhere, and no one can find Batman. I'm like, oh, screw you, Batman. I didn't like this incarnation of Batman, but at least you could have done more. <laughs> yeah, like, I think because of the stuff going on in Aquaman 2, the people behind this movie thought, well, we don't really need to explain much here, but not everyone sees everything so i feel like just one line explaining what's going on would have been nice major after so much rambling i guess like the major plot of this movie when we when it finally attempts to focus up it uh basically like the monster society and evil and legion of doom both want the same thing is to get to the was underlands now for those who don't know what the was underlands are it's basically um, in the Jeff Johns run of Shazam, the was the was Underlands are basically Oz and one and the Wonderlands from Alice in Wonderland, like the worlds merge together, and it's part of the magical realms because both sides realize they want the same thing. There's something in there that has the power to um, rewrite the universe, or the multiverse, even. Yeah, like it feels like they the people behind these movies were trying to grab onto multiple reasons for all this multiverse stuff and yeah i don't know like i don't know if it all makes sense but i do quite like the idea of a mix of oz and wonderland um i actually recently read uh one of the 90s team titans comics where they sort of encountered something oz related so it's kind of funny to see because of public domain and whatnot being a thing for some of these. And yeah, I did like the design for Was Underland. Yeah, it was pretty neat in some places, but it was clear the CGI did not get there. Was not so either this movie got rushed or something, but like CGI looked pretty bad. And not to mention, like, when the big fight is going on between the Legion, the monsters, and Shazam and Superman. Like, it's just a big, muddled mess. And in their shaky cam everywhere. And I'm like, you did so well on the first fight! <laughs> no, yeah, in Wes Underland, I'll admit, the giant mushrooms looked like they were straight out of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, and they also, like, made a little joke about Scarecrow and being like, hey, maybe now you'll find a brain, you know? Like, because, like, like, how could they not make that joke? Well, at the very least, it, it, like that joke would have got a groan from somebody, but Matthew, thankfully, it was Matthew Lillard, um, who, who like the line delivery worked. Yeah. I guess like one of the things like during this whole this whole thing is like Billy and Clark having this buddy cop kind of thing um, between the two of them because they they realize oh we're the only two that can stop this now because no one else is coming. Um, I do like the moment where like Clark like is like i'm sorry this happened to you billy and shazam's just like oh what are you talking about like i'm hanging out with my with my idol here i'm like this is the coolest day ever and he's like no i'm sorry the, the wizard did this to you because now you're stuck you know you're too young for this and you've already gone through a not like your family told me all this stuff like you're going through a lot of it and i wish like I could have at least been there from the start. Like he's like, like Clark has this moment where like I'm at mad at the wizard that he chose a child to be a soldier. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder like 
if Batman would have like had a problem with that, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's even like a moment where Shazam's like, what about Batman? He has Robin. And he, and that's when Clark, like Clark gives him this look of really, we're going to talk about Robin in the DCU. Have you not been keeping up? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I guess like the big reveal of what the, the, of what Mr. Mind and subsequently Luthor want is it's not a something, it's a someone, and it's Superboy Prime. This is where the movie goes off the rails in terms of writing and everything. So, how did you feel about the whole explanation of Superboy Prime being from a previous universe, but it died and now he's trying to, like, he can lead everyone to the source wall? I think it was very convoluted because you have all this going on and you also have the time travel from The Flash which bled into Aquaman 2 and like I know the source wall from uh, mainly from like Justice League Unlimited but I I feel like this was maybe too heady of a concept for a lot of the casual moviegoers so I'm not really sure that it works all that well, personally. Yeah. What did you think of uh, Joseph Quinn cast as uh, Superboy Prime? Well, I thought to myself, well, this guy gets to be in both DC and Marvel now, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Being in Stranger Things, I guess, did that. (laughs) Right, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's good, but I just don't get him as, like, a credible threat. Even, like... He even sounds, and it's supposed to sound dumb, but like it just sounds like so forced when he he says Superboy Prime's classic line of "I'll kill you, I'll kill you to death." <laughs> yeah, and that got memed a lot on the internet afterward. For those who don't understand why he said that in the movie, because there were a lot, um, basically to represent that like he's a petulant child of a human being. He's meant to be an angry DC fanboy, you see. Right. What'd you think of the outfit? Like, how it looked on him here? I don't know why, like, right out the gate they gave him the anti-monitor armor. Um, because it looked so... It looked like CW level, didn't it? Yeah, it did. (laughs) Yeah. So, what did you think of the final fight when everyone's at the source wall? Um... Yeah, I thought I could see that they were trying to do a showcase of like what each of the characters could do in the fight, but they also don't have quite everyone, so it kind of feels hollow and cuz you're thinking about like the out of universe, like the real life explanation of like oh maybe there were scheduling conflicts or maybe it was rushed and it just took the enjoyment out of this final fight because it really felt like it it was a reminder that there wasn't a roadmap that they stuck to at at least in the last several years and it was honestly disheartening like seeing this final fight and not really feeling hyped about it no matter what the music tried to convey yeah so and it's supposed to, like, showcase, like, oh, DC Universe is forever. Because, like, there's a moment where, like, Prime is just wailing on the source wall. And every punch, like, breaks the multiverse even more to the source wall. And then it just, like, the fight comes apart because because everyone's stopping and realizing that Prime is what he's doing. So, and this is where the movie goes in a different, like, in a weird direction because of the title makes you go... This was supposed to be Black Adam versus Shazam. And yes, there is a final fight between Black Adam and Shazam. But, like, how did you feel about them both dying? Yeah, it felt very cheap. Because, like, if you're going to kill one of them off, like, just kill off Black Adam. And, like, I feel like this is something that should not happen to Billy Batson, at least not at such a young age. So it kind of felt like just shock factor like i just wasn't into it yeah and i'm like so now we've completely lost the the meaning of the original film so now it becomes a superman movie and i'm thinking to myself this really should like 
this movie really should have been called Infinite Crisis at the very least. But at the end of it, the source wall is breaking apart and looted like the energy is like like basically Thanos. It's it's exactly the same thing as like when Thanos snapped his fingers. Don't lie to him. Don't fight me on this. You know I'm right. <laughs> um, and Luthor before he like gets dusted because Prime is like trying to destroy this keeps trying to like break the wall um Superman stops him and Luthor just uses a a, um, kryptonite bullet to kill Prime which shouldn't work because kryptonite isn't a weakness for Prime that's a whole thing but that's just me being a comic book fan um (laughs) there's a moment where Luthor and Superman are looking at the source wall and like the energy's wailing out of control and that's when like Luthor, like he, Superman looks at Luthor and is like, what can we do? And he goes, nothing we can do. All we can do is just let it happen. And I'm like, so this is how we're rewriting the universe. Yeah. It really feels like they were over-explaining how the reboot's going to happen when I kind of would have liked if they had just done the reset without worrying about setting it up. You know, just let the movies be their own stories and stand on their own and just let the new stuff happen and just tell the public okay this is a new continuity so roll with it type thing like i'm so over having to explain in universe why things become different you know yeah i was not a fan um and then it's just like the whole thing breaks apart the source wall breaks open and a white flash happens and that's the end of the movie and people were like booing in my theater yeah you know how sometimes in some uh movies like it'll say this character will return uh well instead it said the dc universe will return and there were some people groaning because it it just felt god awfully cheesy the way that happened (sighs) that's the movie everybody yeah. <laughs> um. So, what do you think of it, man? Like, by the end of it, what were you? What, what were you feeling? Were you feeling contempt? Were you feeling, you know, forlorn? Were you feeling like it's over, the work is done, and I can, you know, I can rest, watch the sunrise on a grateful cinema universe. <laughs> you know, it was frustrating because, like, the beginning of the movie, you could see how the Shazam side of things could have worked really well and how they were handling Superman better than in some of these other movies. But then it just quickly devolved over the course of the movie to the point where I just stopped caring and I'm like, relief that the movie is over, but also like, wow, I just wasted like two hours on this thing. And that's the other thing. You think with a movie this big, it like with all the stakes and all the characters and whatnot, this movie barely gets to two hours. Yeah, like only if you include the credits. Like I think without the credits, it's like an hour and 50 something. Yeah. So this was bad. (laughs) I didn't like this. Right, so I guess we could go into final thoughts and score out of 10. So, what are your final thoughts and score out of 10 and unit of measurement for that score for Shazam versus Black Adam? Um, I'm going to say this movie was a failed on every level as a comic book movie, as a swan song to the DCU. Um, Henry Cavill as Superman, it's it there are some good moments with him and some of the lesser actors like Lillard and uh, Combs did their best with what they had. But this movie is a CGI jumbled mess. It's clear. There's like three different teams worked on this. The script is all over the place and it doesn't even, it doesn't even be the movie it's, it's trying to be. It's not even a Shazam versus black Adam movie. It is a, it is a Shazam three black Adam two Superman two, Legion of Doom, Monster Society of Evil, Justice League 2, Brave and the Bold, Infinite Crisis, Mess, sequel. And I did not like it. So, I am going to give this two 
uh, two weather weather wands uh, <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> I feel like I've seen worse movies, but this was pretty bad still. So I think I'd give this because we do get glimpses of the Superman and Shazam dynamic which i really liked but i feel like i can go no higher than four out of ten um mushrooms because it feels like that's what the people making this were on um so yeah again really frustrating and also the release slate has felt really weird for these final dceu movies like you have a swan song movie then you have what's supposed to be a solo movie but has some stuff shoved into it then a swan song then maybe another solo movie with stuff shoved into it and it's just like pick a lane you know like it's if anything it just makes me even more glad that this is all getting rebooted i I just wish that they didn't spend these few movies and one like just setting up the reboot when they could have just focused on their own thing but yeah i guess that'll do it so thanks for joining me again mr multiverse where can people find your stuff they can find me on youtube and i have two short stories written in these two books called duel of the monsters uh anthology series uh there is also volume three which will be i will be writing two stories in and it'll be my first time writing in public domain monsters oh nice yeah i bet that's really exciting yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of fun to write dialogue for a for a famous character rather than you know have like and don't get me wrong I liked writing like monsters hissing and growling but you can only do that for so long until you want to be like I want to have them talk shit to each other yeah <laughs> nice all but, right yeah there you go all right yeah thanks again and I'll include my plugs in the edit and without further delay have a good day. Alright, so you can email this podcast at delayedreplaypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on walls. You know, like the source wall. Uh, You can, and apologies for the audio if it sounds kind of weird, but hey, that's kind of fitting for this frenetic, rushed uh, movie that we talked about. Uh, you can follow me at Steven Schinder uh, wherever I am on social media or Steven Schinder Storytelling on Facebook. You can go to stevenschinder.com and find my standalones and stepping stones novels on Amazon. And I'm on Goodreads, Letterboxd. These will be in the show notes. And uh, yeah, you can also find me on Yes Shift talking about music and Drum Talk TV. We did a virtual concert featuring holiday on saturn so yeah lots of cool stuff going on there and uh without further delay uh, here's my other self reviewing some tv stuff and not necessarily in this order i i'm not sure but the season three premiere episodes for star wars a bad batch and Uh, the new Netflix Avatar The Last Airbender show, and Disney Plus's Percy Jackson and the Olympians show. So, yeah, without further delay, here he is. Alright, hello, it's me again. So, I guess I'll start off with the thing that's been out, and again, non-spoiler thoughts, Um, I'll start with a thing that's been out a little bit longer that I sort of talked a little bit about last time, I think. And now I've finally finished it. Uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. So, yeah, you got Greek stuff in here and Greek stuff in DC mythology. Um, So, for background, I never read the books But I knew friends here and there who were super in love with those books. It was uh, comparable to, like, to them, like, their enthusiasm for it. It's comparable to people's enthusiasm for Harry Potter and such. But, yeah, and I never watched the movies until recently, and both of them were terrible. 
But the show is definitely better than the movies. And I know that's not saying much, but there was some really enjoyable stuff. Uh, The characters feel like they're on a journey that you're, like, rooting for them. But for some of the show, I feel like the lighting was, like, way too dark. Like, I had the brightness setting on my TV set up all the way, and still it was really hard to see stuff in certain scenes. And um, I I even saw someone online say, Percy Jackson, the lighting thief, because it's, like, way too dark. Uh, But, yeah, that kind of hindered some of my enjoyment. And I also noticed that um, I wasn't feeling as invested as... I kept going further, and I'm sure people who are super into the books probably love the show, but since I'm not as invested in this world, the show was like, it, it was fine, it, it was aight. Um, I'd give it a 7 out of 10 uh, lightning bolts or whatever. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, I'm kind of hesitant to say whether it's worth checking out because I myself, uh, I'm not necessarily feeling like I'll be rushing to watch season two as it's airing uh, whenever that comes out because it did get confirmed for a second season. Um, And yeah, I'm just not, I'm also not as well-versed in Greek mythology. Like I know some friends in high school and in college, it's like Greek mythology is their everything. Like, they know all the gods and goddesses, what they're all about. But, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's kind of just, the show is kind of just there to me. Uh, so, yeah, Percy Jackson and the Olympians on Dizzy Plus, 7 out of 10 for me uh, in terms of enjoyment. Uh, so, uh, I guess next to talk about Uh, Should I talk about Atla or Bat Batch? I guess I'll talk about Atla. Uh, So Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, If you've seen the animated series, I feel like there's uh, not really anything to spoil. Um, And I'm not going to get too in-depth about the plot. But yeah, it adapts season one, book one, water... It's told in eight episodes. Each one is maybe 45 minutes to around an hour long. And the colors, you know, in animation, the vibrant colors are part of the draw. Here, they do a decent job making the outfits uh, colorful enough, but the settings, of course, have to look somewhat realistic. Uh, It's definitely better than the uh 2010 last airbender film which was a real low bar and again that was like such a weird time for movie adaptations with like avatar the last airbender and percy jackson movies and stuff um and yeah that 2010 movie was really awful but here like they do a better job uh they do change uh they do change um boomy uh but i feel like it makes sense in context and it feels a bit more real and can resonate uh like if you really take into account like what he went through but you still have basically the same outcome with him uh the cabbage guy uh, i was really surprised that he was played by danny pudi from community you know he played Abed and it made a couple community episodes even funnier because there's that election episode where uh, Abed uh, says that he regrets watching the last airbender movie and there's also the grifting 101 episode with all the briefcases and he actually is involved in something that involves switching out cases like he has a the character has a bit more to do in this show which I thought was funny uh, but yeah, as the show kept progressing, like ver- I definitely enjoyed stuff. It wasn't as lighthearted, uh, not quite as lighthearted as the show. Uh, Sokka is funny in kind of a different way. Uh, he's funny in a 
he'll talk in circles and dig himself into a hole type of funny. And, but I, I still feel like certain characters could have conveyed a little bit more personality. Um, Aang isn't as childish, but he does have optimism that he's trying to convey. And yeah, I, I feel like as I got closer to the end, my attention started to wander and I, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I'd probably be paying more attention if it was animated. Um, and there are like little things here and there that people who are super into the Avatar The Last Airbender lore are like going to nitpick the changes of like, apparently like I never would have noticed this, but in the original show, whenever they bend, they do these movements that are supposed to be akin to movements from martial arts, but here like they move their hands and whatnot differently to the point where people online have been saying it just looks like generic magic when they do it like that and it's honestly not something i noticed uh people are also upset that the glider wasn't in play uh during one of the early instances of ang i guess flying but i think the glider comes in later from what i remember and i don't know it's just something that i didn't think too much on uh kind of reminded me of how with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, I didn't really think twice about like web shooters being absent or anything. So I, I think if you're a super fan, like you know every damn detail of Avatar The Last Airbender, you might not enjoy this show, this remake very much. Uh, but I've seen people here and there who enjoy the original actually say that the show like they've been enjoying it somewhat and that's decent and there have been some who have like really hated it i think it's another 7 out of 10 show uh 7 out of 10 momos uh momos actually barely in this because i guess the cgi i don't know uh they have to cut corners and places um so yeah and i'm honestly surprised that i went ahead and watched the whole season within uh couple days because uh, you know leading up to it i wasn't feeling as excited but then i got through it kind of got it over with and when season two comes out um yeah i don't know like how i'll be feeling then like if i'll feel like oh it's something i need to watch right away or once a week or what but i, I have started a little rewatch of uh the original show so uh, i guess we'll see how that goes and uh okay so i guess that's pretty much all my thoughts on the new atla show uh so star wars the bad batch the first three episodes of season three um I think it's another 7 out of 10, you know, I know we're just swimming in 7s, it just all feels kind of average to me in terms of my enjoyment, so 7 out of 10 Mount Tantuses, um, like, there have been, I don't know, like, it's, you know, the show's kind of gritty, but I feel like a lot of the praise right now is from how it's connecting to the sequel trilogy, specifically the Rise of Skywalker, you know, setting up some of the Palpatine cloning machinations. And I feel like if someone were to look at what I see online, you know, my feed of people talking about the Bad Batch and the Mandalorian for that matter, like if someone were not caught up on Star Wars, they'd only seen the movies and hadn't dipped into these shows, like if they saw that feed, they would think that the Bad Batch and the Mandalorian are exclusively about Palpatine's planning. And instead of being about the characters that these shows are following. And I'm not sure how I feel about all that like i'm not sure what it really says if all that people are talking about is the palpatine connections rather than 
what characters like Crosshair and Omega are and whatnot are going through. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm hoping I enjoy this season more than uh, I currently am. Uh, I kind of don't expect the series finale to be climactic like for Rebels and the Clone Wars. I kind of expect it to be more low-key. But, yeah, I don't know. The, these, I, I feel like the show isn't making me think as much as the fan reaction to the show is. Like, the fan reaction... Um, like, people are... Like, there are people who are... Who despise any connections to the sequel trilogy, but there are people praising the connections in these TV shows to how they're setting up stuff in The Rise of Skywalker. And I feel like it's sort of tainting people's general perception of the sequel trilogy, making it feel like it's mainly about Palpatine's return. And, you know, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, to me, like, in hindsight, it kind of feels like Rise of Skywalker with the Palpatine of it all was more concerned with continuing teased threads from Revenge of the Sith than on continuing stuff organically from Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Uh, So, yeah, I feel like all these TV things connecting to uh, Rise of Skywalker is is uh, coloring people's perception of the sequel trilogy so that it feels like, oh, it's mainly about Palpatine's return. So I'm hoping that whenever the Rey movie, the New Jedi Order movie, whatever it's going to be called, comes out, I'm hoping that that does a good job of reminding people that the sequel trilogy, it should be about the characters and, like, the heroes and the journey that they take, um, the good parts of the journey anyway, you know, it's about the heroes. I I hope that's something that doesn't get lost as as more fleshing out for the sequels happens over time. Uh, so yeah, those are my, uh, basically my thoughts on all that. Um, yeah, I guess it's more thoughts on the state of Star Wars and on the Bad Batch itself. So yeah, I'm hoping there's more to talk about with that show. I'll keep watching week to week. But yeah, that's pretty much all. And without further delay, have a good day.